Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. What's up, you beautiful Last Podcast Network listener? You beautiful, it's true. My name is Jackie Zabrowski. And my name is Molly Neffel, and we, along with Marcus, host Page 7, a pop culture and celeb gossip podcast that is nestled in the arms of the Last Podcast Network. Ever want to listen to Marcus gal pal down with a couple of daddy-thirsty women? Talking movies and throwing metaphorical barbs at the sadist industry of Gwyneth Paltrow. And discussing our shared love of Jason Momoa's face and body, despite his terrible acting skills. Check out page seven. It's a positive romp through the boob tube and the funny papers that'll be sure to leave you loving Guy Fieri and knowing way too much about what Hulk Hogan said during his sex tape. Oh yeah, he kept burping up barbecue while she boinked on it. Don't worry, we talk pop culture the way that most late 20s, 30s, 40s people talk pop culture. I may not know exactly what Bella Hadid does, but I know what love is. Now is not the time for Forrest Gump impressions, Jackie. We are in the middle of an ad. Okay, don't tase me, bro. You are a beauty that's fixing to get iced by the beast. The only way you're going to ice me is with a cool tolly of Mango Rita. Get off it. Everyone knows that Grape Rita is the best flavor. Actually, maybe they are all the best flavors. Well, except Strawberita. Just saying. Try out a new flavor in your brain meat. Please check out the ridiculousness that is Page 7 wherever you listen to your podcasts as well as the other shows on the last podcast network. I think you might like it. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. Travis Morningstar is with me as well. Hey, Ben. Uh, we have a fun interview coming up here a little bit later on. It's not the longest interview. It's not the shortest interview. It's just right. Uh, it's with uh, Mohanad El-Sheiki. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. He's on Team Coco. That's Conan O'Brien. Uh, he's been on Conan O'Brien. And uh, he is originally from Libya. He's been in America for four years now. Uh, he sought asylum after the devastating situation that was going on in Libya. Of course, we have the post-Gaddafi Libya happening right now, and at least when Gaddafi was in power, you knew who to be scared of and who to avoid, and evidently now you have no idea. It's just a bunch of warlords uh, taking over the country and destroying lives wherever they go. Uh, so, the halcyon days of knowing who yeah. is, who exactly was uh, stomping on your neck. What a nice, what a nice time that was. Of course, Gaddafi, if you really want to get down a live leak rabbit hole, you can find the last day of his life. And my God, let's just say revenge was taken, <laughs> specifically uh, in an area that no man wants revenge taken in. Um, so that is, uh, if you want to watch that, you can. So that interview will be coming up a little bit later on here in the show. That's Mohanad El-Sheiki. Basically, 
What happened was, uh, again, he is a uh, U.S. resident. Uh, he sought asylum and was granted asylum. Really long process. A lot of money was spent. Uh, went through all the right steps, got all the lawyers, did everything he had to do. He's on a Greyhound bus. Greyhound bus gets stopped. Agents come in to the bus, ask for papers, all of these things. And anyway, it's just an interesting story. He was detained briefly. Um, it's just an interesting story. It could have been a lot worse. Obviously, in a perfect world, it would never would have happened at all. But when we talk about you know ICE officials or other government officials that are working uh, with immigration, what does that look like in real life? How does that actually affect people's lives on a regular basis? I think his story is a great example of how disruptive some of these policies can be when they manifest themselves in reality. So that interview will be coming up a little bit later on here in the show. I also want to talk about a little bit later on. The U.S. has suspended a nuclear arms treaty deal with Russia. Of course, the Chinese right now are escalating their nuclear uh, arsenal. And uh, this is kind of an interesting, an interesting development. Not a lot of people are talking about it. It's not so salacious or not as fun as one of Donald Trump's stupid tweets. Um, but it is a big deal, and it's possible uh, that this could lead to another arms race. Yay! Nice. You know, we, didn't, we haven't had an arms race in so long. I want another one! Um, so that is possible. We're also going to talk about uh, Cory Booker. Uh, he has thrown his name into the ring now with the Democrats. Obviously, Kamala Harris. Uh, she's still running for president. And uh, more and more, we're finding out about her record specifically on criminal justice. She is uh, she calls herself a progressive prosecutor, which to me just rings like the <laughs> liberals version of when W. Bush would call himself a compassionate conservative. Right. Uh, it's good alliteration. I'm not exactly sure what it means. We have a little bit of sound of Kamala Harris talking about um, how some people say we need more schools. But I think we need more jails, and I don't, uh, you know. But as Travis said before we started recording, at least we, at least she has a policy. Yeah, I mean, um, I, so that's good. At least I know what I'm like against. Yeah, or, sure. You know, there's no, there's going to be no surprises there. Yes, absolutely. And we'll also talk a little bit about Elizabeth Warren. She has apologized uh, to the Cherokee Nation over her DNA test. And, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about what she's doing on social media specifically because I follow her on Instagram because I am young. I am cool. I know what's hip. Um, and I know who to follow. Elizabeth Warren. I only follow women in their 60s. Uh, it's what I do. And I love it. Um, but nothing, she, nothing suspicious about that. No, it's wonderful. It's totally normal. Um, but, but she is really doing a good job. I have to say. What is she uh, doing on Instagram? Like braiding the hair of an uh, American Girl doll? Or no, she's not, no. I mean, that would be fun. <laughs> I had American Girl dolls growing up. My grandmother bought me all of them, and uh, they were paper dolls, <laughs> and it, they were there weren't they weren't very fun. Um, I, I had Playmobil, as I mentioned on last podcast on the left, and American Girl dolls, and uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. You had American Girl dolls. My grandmother bought them for me. Yes, because I don't know why. I mean, I wasn't the gay one. Both of my older brothers are gay. You would have thought that they would have bought them for them, even though that's a stereotype and it wouldn't be accurate. But nonetheless, I got the American Girl dolls, and I mean, I played with them. I mean, I don't know what – they fought each other, and they they were on the ranch and, and doing pioneer stuff. They had some – you know, they were, they were vegetation that they were taking care of on the kitchen table. But eventually, it would settle into a tea party, right? Well, you have to. They're yeah. American Girl They're dolls. American what girl else dolls. are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, my God, I was nine years old. Of course, I'll have a little tea party, a little goldfish on the table that I got from the county fair. Dies immediately, by the way. But you're supposed to put a little salt in the water, I think. That's what I heard. Yeah. 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 Isn't that something? 
Um, so Elizabeth Warren, she is doing well on Instagram, and of course, she is coming out with her with her tax, the the wealth tax is what she's calling it, the uh, multi millionaire tax or the extreme millionaire tax, whatever the heck they're calling it these days. Um, basically, it goes after zero point one percent of uh, of America. It's roughly seventy five thousand people. Uh, these are these billionaires. And um, tough stuff, you know, it is <laughs> again, at least there's some policy coming forward. But so we're going to talk a little bit about Elizabeth Warren, specifically in the context of this little DNA test and some other things that she's up to. She is doing a good job, I think, of traveling around and um, she's coming across as personable. I really do think so. I watched some speeches she was giving and uh, she definitely has it down. She knows her message. She sticks with her message. And I don't know. Maybe as long she can as she do sticks things. with that message and not the ancestry one, I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna move on. She's. I think she's she doing learned her lesson. She's doing an apology. I think she learned her lesson. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but I could see there's something about her that's. She's a little old timey. She's got a little yeah. old timey charm to her, and Absolutely. I, I kind of you know, kind of getting that old. Um, uh, what was it, uh, Bryant? Uh, Bryant, who ran against um, oh my McKinley in in uh, 1900, you know she's got an old school kind of populism she, going about her that, that I kind of like. She's from a state where people legitimately do ride horses down the down the street. Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to. You have to get to work. Yeah. You know, you have to get you have to get to the post office. So she's doing her thing. But because of this billionaire tax that she has proposed, and again, you know, by by today's standards with the Democratic Party, I'm excited. I am happy, by the way, that Kamala Harris is a little bit more hawkish on criminal justice. Obviously, we're going to have Cory Booker coming in, who, I mean, bought and sold by big pharmaceuticals, but that's a whole other thing. They all kind of are. Um, but then we have, you know, someone more like an Elizabeth Warren, who I don't think will be nearly as hawkish on criminal justice as someone like a Kamala Harris. And then we also have the extremely wealthy. So we have uh, <laughs> Michael Bloomberg, who will m- perhaps throw his name into the ring. It looks like he probably will at this point. And, of course, Bloomberg, he was the mayor here for three terms in New York. The third term got totally crazy. He had this ridiculously stupid idea for a big soda ban at the cinemas, which was just yeah, yeah. so dumb <laughs> because the cinemas, like, you only go there for the big soda, right? Like, it's, it's the only time where I can, like, get a soda that's the size of, a like, a tombstone. Yeah, it should be the size of, like, a small child, and that's <laughs> the whole point. And you shouldn't have it every day. But that was a little bit ridiculous, and of course, uh, the trans fat ban and stuff like that. So he did do some things that were a little bit what some people might say, quote, nanny state stuff. But at the same time, he did do some good things for the city as well. Economically, we were doing fairly well, and um, and the subways were running, which I was fond of, uh, as opposed to what we're having uh, right now. So I, who knows if if Bloomberg will be able to uh, to make some headwind. Uh, with the Democratic Party in a Democratic primary. He does have experience, which is really good, and it's something that we cannot say about the first person we're going to talk about in depth here, Howard Schultz. <laughs> so Howard Schultz, of course, you all know this. Uh, this dude, he's out of Seattle. He he started Starbucks. He's the former CEO of Starbucks. And for the longest time, everyone thought he was like this big liberal donor, Basically because he didn't really care if people used heroin in his bathrooms. Yeah. Uh, he's like, go for it. And then everyone's like, that is so progressive. And I'm like, I also could use the bathroom because I have to go to the bathroom because sure. I just consumed buckets of horrible coffee. Um, but nonetheless, I'll let the person go and finish doing their drugs in there. Um, but now he has come out because in response, I think it's safe to say in response to Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. Right. Yeah. I think it's safe. It kind of triggered him. 
And he said, no, not me. No, no you that's can't. Not, that's not my style. No, that's not my style. You can't attack me, Elizabeth. I'm going to get in myself. This, this Quaker oatmeal robber baron <laughs> <laughs> wants to unite the country but keep all the fat, cat, wealthy people just, like, chill. Just totally chill. Totally chill, all of them. So Howard Schultz, one of the worst things that he did other than making – really, I mean, we can say it's horrible coffee, right? I yeah, it's 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 uh, bad. It's 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 overly acidic. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. tastes burnt. Oh. These are not like new criticism. This okay. is just Starbucks. You know, Starbucks coffee tastes. Like... And of course, he's on the front lines of the war against Christmas. That's true. Oh yeah, so that's right. let's yeah, not yeah, yeah, forget yeah. that. That's really horrible because the cups just they don't have a crucified Jesus Christ on them yeah. for the entire month of December. That is the war on Christmas. Um, but Howard Schultz, in seriousness did do some horrible things, including moving the Seattle Supersonics, of course, from Seattle, where he's supposed to be uh, a great king of of the Seattle people. He moved the Seattle Supersonics, and he said it was a huge mistake. It was a big regret, um, and he has apologized for it. But nonetheless, the damage is done. The, uh, the Seattle Supersonics, they became the Thunder. So you can imagine if the Thunder were in Seattle, you'd have Westbrook. The crowds would be roaring, and as we know with the Seahawks, People love their sports in Seattle, like to get stoned and watch sports. And then the only problem is all the hills. Yeah. There's too many hills in Seattle, but that's okay. What can you do? You can't level them. So this is what he said regarding the Seattle Supersonics. He says, I'm responsible for what took place. He continues. He says, and I think the lesson is that when you have power and responsibility like I did with the Sonics, you must demonstrate restraint. It's a very hard lesson. I have to live with that lesson, and it's a mistake that I made, and I apologize. So you can imagine, you know, let's see, I'm trying to think, what was my last big, like a big mistake? Like I, um, let's see, just a big old, just a Ben Kissel doozy. You bought that $2,000 belt. I did buy the $2,000 Universal Championship belt. I'm not going to call that a mistake, though, because every time- it was an investment, actually, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it was an investment, and every time I see the joy in my friend's eyes when they (laughs) hold it- that's like ten dollars. That is true. Yeah. So I'm 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 like fifteen hundred bucks in. That's true. You know, so people really like that. I'm gonna say I bought uh I had a trip to the Moxie Hotel in Minneapolis <laughs> and I can't get a refund because okay. I didn't stay there because I got there and I did not like the establishment. So you know what I did, Travis? I went to the casino. And anyway, Moxie Hotel still owes me five hundred dollars. I don't know if that's my mistake really. Well, nonetheless, I have mistakes. We all know that. Um, I have a couple on the top of my head, actually. The of time mine? You, yeah, the time you fell asleep in the, the lobby of a hotel that we weren't staying at. Oh, <laughs> it, yeah, right before. Okay, that's a good one. That yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, one, right? that's a blooper. <laughs> yeah, that's a blooper. That was in Indianapolis. We were out there, and I told this story on the live show. By the way, check out the live show if you haven't already. It's only $6.66 and www.lastpodcastlive.com. That's where you can find it. So check that out. It's still out there. And I talk about this in that episode or in that little special there. In Indianapolis, the beer is free. They pay you to drink. <laughs> and I had I was sitting down at a bar, and this chick said, uh, I said, I'll have a Bud Light. And then never, I can already hear you say Bud Light Lime. No, I don't drink Bud Light Lime. That's a Henry Zabrowski lie. <laughs> and um, I said, I'll have a Bud Light. And then she said, oh, you know, it's cheaper if you just get the pitcher. So I saved a lot of money fiscally responsible Ben mm-hmm. Kissel did end up in the wrong hotel did end up in a lobby did end up sleeping just briefly until I could get my druthers 
and then I was able to Uber back to my that does real, prove um, that does prove how much you scared the people that worked at this other hotel that they no, did was, not they did I'm not very, bother you. No, <laughs> I'm very nice. It was just like I I was when you're traveling. Nonetheless, I didn't sell the supersonics. That's, that's what I'm saying. All oh, right, right, right. What right. I'm saying is. A Howard Schultz mistake, a Ben Kissel mistake is, okay, you have too much beers. You know, you're having a nice time hanging out with people. Being a man of the people. By the way, when I'm serving in office, I won't be drinking beers, okay? Gee, I already hear the criticisms. Good God. What I'm saying is Howard Schultz sold and moved a professional basketball team. And that's what his idea of a mistake is. Thank you. I was also late to the airport in Canada one time. It almost cost us a flight. Unfortunately, uh, this apology was around a seven-minute-long uh, apology, and uh, apparently, it was just full. It was just totally full of uh, of miss. Uh, he he misspoke multiple times. Here's an outright lie that Howard Schultz said again regarding a professional basketball team. But I'm just gonna say I'm sick of the freaking lies. You know that's why Kristen Gillibrand, who I haven't even gotten to yet. You go back, and of course, she's a senator here in New York, and in October, she's talking about how she's not running, and she's going to serve her term out, and I know they all say it. I'm just so sick of everyone freaking lying all the damn Like, Trump is really, I'm just so sick of lying all the time Yeah. that now a little lie to me, and of course, Kirsten Gillibrand's big claim to fame is the sculpt of Al Franken. She basically right, got she Al- got him ousted, right? Or like, yeah. well, she, she was on the front, she front line. She insisted upon him leaving. Yeah. Might as well, she's doing the Republicans' work for him, so... Um, here's an outright lie that Howard Schultz said regarding uh, the selling of the Seattle Supersonics. He's like, I was convinced that if an out-of-town buyer were to buy the team that the, uh, in the city of Seattle, the mayor and the city council would understand that an out-of-town buyer might have bought the team. And if he doesn't renegotiate the lease and get the lease that he deserves, he's going to take the team and move. And the city of Seattle basically said, no, we don't care if it's an out-of-town buyer or not. We're not negotiating. What do you need? I hate these owners. It happened in San Diego, too, with the Chargers. Now, of course, they're out in L.A. The, the stadium is fine. Everything is okay. The billionaire wants tax money to go to their stupid freaking stadium, and as soon as they don't get it, they whine, they bitch, and they take their ball and they go someplace else. And we're seeing that on the macro level now with Donald Trump, specifically regarding the wall. He's not getting what he wants. So I think he's yeah. Instead, he's going to write um, Sicario three. If if the if that Rose oh Garden God. speech was any indication, I swear to God, there's an interesting Instagram video out. Um, I think it was on Instagram. I don't know. I feel stupid even saying that, but <laughs> it really is funny if you look at Sicario and if you and you see you know the images of that movie, yeah. and then if you put that with what Donald Trump says happens when individuals are coming over the border with their great big vehicles, bigger, they're bigger, fast, they're fa- furious, they're fast, they're furious. Vin Diesel is driving <laughs> all of them. I think one of the guys died actually accidentally <laughs> while driving. I saw it. Um, it's ridiculous. I, he might just be getting his ideas from <laughs> yes. movies. He's Dave the Soledad. Yes, he's he's writing <sighs> the the sequel to Sicario with that the the tape over the mouths. The they've got walls, bodies stuffed in the walls. I know it, man. It's it's unreal. So here's another outright lie. Schultz said he said for five years we went forward. The team did well one year, not so well the other four. And each year we were not only losing money, but we were losing more money than before. In actuality, the team made the playoffs twice in Schultz's tenure as owner from 2002. Uh, in 2002 and 2005, the team's overall record 
uh, in the five full seasons uh, was 209 to 201. Okay, not great, but not not the worst. Uh, but what makes Schultz's poor mouthing of the team's record so in- disingenuous is that he himself advocated this big talk about a five-year plan uh, at the end of which the team would be a contender. At the time, he saw uh, this team as mediocre. Um, but then, of course, he said they were gonna. He was gonna rebuild the team, and instead of rebuilding the team, he just uh, shipped them off. So this is Howard Schultz in a nutshell. He's just another one of these billionaire businessmen who don't take into account the people that he's going to be affecting with his so-called mistakes. In this case, uprooting a beloved NBA franchise. And I know I'm just kind of harping on this, but I'm a basketball fan. I'm a sports fan, and I think sports are really important. Sports are really important. You to think cities. this is indicative of his overall of who he style. is? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So now uh, Elizabeth Warren comes in. I'm going to tax billionaires two percent, three percent, something like that. And uh, you know, which it's it's not the worst idea. It's certainly not unheard of. Uh, you know, I mean, Dwight D. Eisenhower had extremely high tax rates, and we're talking about a situation that we have now in this country where there is no more middle class. And that's the problem. And I think, you know, Trump was able to kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, Bernie Sanders certainly hit on it quite a bit. And Elizabeth Warren, I think, is doing a good job of, it's not Hispanics, it's not refugees, it's not immigrants taking your job, screwing you over. It's just the it's it's the flow of money to the ec- top. Economic dis- it's d- economic and disparity, like it's past, just straight up. It's straight up, and the past thirty years have been absolutely abysmal when it comes to that. So I think good politicians understand that, and the question is, um, how do you best relate that message to the people? That's why people went from Obama to Trump. Like, how can that happen? Well, because they thought that Obama was talking to them about struggles of the middle class, and they thought Trump was talking to them about struggles of the middle class. And I think Elizabeth Warren is doing a good job of expressing her um, tax. Tax is a crappy word. I Whenever I hear tax, I'm like, I don't like it. We just had to pay taxes uh, this year, and this is the Republican tax plan, and it was a doozy. I don't like it. Um, the word, but she's doing a good job of explaining why. What's gone on in Washington for the past 30 years? It's just, you know, from the corporate uh, boardroom to uh, to Capitol Hill. These are fluid. You know, these are fluid positions. We see it all the time with someone who is, uh, you know, out of office and then immediately gets a job um, in one of these large lobbyist corporations. You know, uh, John Boehner at least has done it right. He got into weed. Yeah, uh, which is pretty great. That's total. That was so left field. That yeah, he, John Boehner is like kind of my low key like favorite <laughs> dude ever. He just chain smokes and was like pretty chill, and then just got into weed and was like fucking amazing. Yeah, why not? Um, so she's doing a good job of expressing that because that's what we see as the American people. That's just so frustrating. You just see this group of elites go from one position to the other position of power, and it really does sort of blur the line of like. What kind of uh, oligarchic society are we living in right now in this in this sort of like post-capitalist uh, world, you know? So this is really an attack on the oligarchs. This is an attack The obscenely wealthy. The obscenely wealthy and the oligarchs of this country. And the problem, of course, the main question is, and this is the question that has to be debated is, then what does – if the tax does go through, which would be – Extremely unlikely. Right. Um, But if it would, then what does the government do with the money? That's the big concern. Does it just go to feed some war machine? Does it just go into the military? Does it go to something like a border wall? You know, obviously, if Elizabeth Warren is president, it wouldn't be. But theoretically, this tax would be there. 
I mean, if you after have- she was gone. Um, so that's that's the big question is what because the government doesn't have a great history of allocating funds properly, right. as we are seeing, because I think Domino's, our pizza company, is currently paving roads. So there's something wrong. Right. Right. But I, I mean, if you do have a politician that successfully passes this kind of tax hike on the obscenely wealthy, that person is probably also interested in health care for all, which is ideally some a kind of project that you would want to use those funds for right and of course now kamala harris has come out and uh, straight up just said she doesn't want any private industry whatsoever in healthcare. i don't think we can go i don't think we have to go that far but there has to be a good <laughs> a, a good balance uh between the two and a viable option that was the crappy thing that happened with obamacare once everyone just realized um that their options became e- extremely limited uh, and that was really a, that was a problem. And then, of course, their premiums went through the roof uh, because of the lack of options. And so, it, I mean, that's the thing with healthcare. It really kind of is. I understand the single payer. I understand, like, basically, you just have to go all in. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, yeah, you have to. You basically have to do it. But the question is, how do you just completely eliminate an entire industry? It would be. It would be such like you think like it would be on the par of like Brexit. It would be such a big deal. This sure. is a multi, multi, multi-billion-dollar industry. Sure. So it would be it would be tricky. That's all I'm saying. Just do it, goddamn it! Like just, I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 sure I'm obviously it, like of the mind that it just has to be done. I'm not sure if they'll ever get the votes uh, to no, straight well, up go the out thing. there. No, that's the thing. It's it's. But we shall see. That's the exciting thing with these primaries coming up for the Democratic Party. Uh, some difference of opinions there. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously something has to be fixed with our health care system. Uh, of course, um, pre-existing conditions, all of that total and utter nonsense. But the Republicans say that they're, they're for eliminating pre-existing conditions, but then on the back end, uh, they work. Oh, I mean, hell, the freaking the Democrats do it, too. Obamacare was a huge boom for the health care industry. Right. So it, that that's one of those. That that's a, a subject that I'll have to get a real, true, hardcore expert on here for to talk about because it is it is like mind numbing when you really get into it. But of course, going back just briefly, so with Elizabeth Warren, we got the we got the wealth tax. Uh, now we have Howard Schultz coming out and insane, uh, you know, that he's pretty upset about it. So he's going to run as an independent. Now, when it comes to the wealthy, I do I do have some information here. Now, some some wealthy people actually do pay. They actually do pretty good. Bill and Melinda Gates, they do 37% of their net worth. They give that to charity. That's good. Warren Buffett's not so bad, 36%. Michael Bloomberg gives 13% of his $46 bucks. So that's $6 billion to charity. It's so much money. It's crazy. Mark Zuckerberg and his, uh, and his I think his wife, Priscilla Chan, he made $54 billion off of us. Isn't that nice? Our yeah. data is worth $54 billion. Bucks. He gave $2 billion. And, of course, Donald Trump, who made $3 billion net worth. That's what they say, although I think that's a little bit big. He only gave 3% of his net worth with $102 million in charitable donations. And most likely that was some bizarre scam. Um, And then Jeff Bezos is the actual worst, of course, the man uh, who is in charge of Amazon, the man who is crushing small businesses all across the country. And he's going to be doing that right here in Long Island City, too, when he brings his Amazon headquarters to LIC, which is going to jack up the rents and close a bunch of nice, affordable restaurants. Jeff Bezos, he's worth $160 billion. He gave a whopping $146 million to charity, which is... 0.0906%. Not even 1% of his wealth. So when we talk about trickle-down economics, when we talk about 
Is it fair to tax the wealthy for doing well? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, I would be if everyone was Bill and Melinda Gates, I would say they're paying thirty seven percent. Yeah, like I don't know. I'm actually okay. Philanthropy the, is nice, but paying your fair share is better. And if they if if everyone was paying, you know, if they were if, doing if everyone was if yeah, it was Bill a perfect world, yeah. if, if it was if it was a perfect world and people weren't greedy monsters, I would say okay, look at that, wonderful, thirty seven percent, thirty six percent, that's awesome. But then we have Jeff Bezos. 160 billion bucks gave 146 million dollars. I mean, less than one percent. So that's why a, a rhetoric from Elizabeth Warren is getting a lot of traction because people see that it makes them pissed off. They're living paycheck to paycheck, and we saw how real that is with the government shutdown. What paycheck to paycheck looks like. I mean, it's devastating. The news stories coming out were so hard to listen to. TSA workers. Um, never had more sympathy in the world, yeah. by the way. Can you imagine? That's how that's how bad Washington is. <laughs> yes. It literally made Americans feel bad for TSA. Not since Lil Rel in Get Out <laughs> did did TSA agents have such good press. Yeah. They never have good. They're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes TSA I mean, agents. For a while, they were right alongside um, airline food as, like, as yeah. far as jokes go. Oh, my God. Heavy. Yeah. And a, now we're like... We're like, I'll fight for my, I'll fight for the honor of the TSA agents. <laughs> fight for their rights to TSA, yeah. whatever that means. So that is why she is, uh, I think, doing a good job. And I think her, her her message is resonating with a lot of people who don't fully understand why they're getting so screwed. And it might be the same people that bought into Donald Trump's lie about immigration. It really could be. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets the nomination. She's on the ticket. If we see Trump Warren districts, it's it's extremely, extremely possible. Going back just briefly to Howard Schultz. So a lot of people are extremely concerned. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, he's going to throw the election to Donald Trump. Yeah. We're going to. OK, I say this and I, this is why I said on Dana Perino show. OK, the daily briefing. Um, of course, she used to be the press secretary for W. Um, but. Relax. Just it, it, first of all, he's not going to do well uh, in the vote, and second of all, like the going back to Ross Perot in 1992. So a lot of Republicans think that Ross Perot cost H.W. Bush the election, but if you look at the actual exit polling data, it was about 50-50 split between people uh, who would have voted for Clinton or would have voted for Bush. So it mm. really kind of worked itself out. And then if you look at the two states that that um, Perot did best in. It was Texas and it was Florida. Right. And H.W. won both of those states. Right. So when it comes to the Electoral College, it's, you know, I know people want to talk about like spoilers and stuff like that. First of all, I'm with Chuck Todd of MSNBC. Meet the press. I love Chuck Todd. But um, I agree with him. It's up to the candidate to get the votes. Right. You know, this whole idea of like, oh, my God, you spoiled the party. Get your freaking votes. Go to go to Wisconsin, Hillary. Go to Michigan. Get your freaking votes. Do your job. And then we don't have to have this conversation. When it comes to Ralph Nader, so I think that's a lie when it comes to Perot swinging the election uh, to, to um, Bill Clinton, who, of course, did not get 50 percent of the vote. Um, and then we also have 2000. So some people on the left blame Ralph Nader for what happened uh, when it comes to Al Gore, when it comes to Florida. Mm -hmm. But if you really the real scandal in Florida is Catherine Harris purging 58,000 people from the voting rolls. Right. Basically, what they did was they sent this letter out. They're like, well, we don't have felons vote in this state. Here's 58,000 just names, no pictures, no like any identifying characteristics, just names of 58,000 people and tens of thousands of people, many of them 
uh, folks who were going to vote for Al Gore for whatever reason. Um, many of them were purged from the voting rolls and they were totally legal to vote. And of course, that whole thing ends. Supreme Court makes their decision. And some people want to blame Ralph Nader. The fact of the matter is Ralph Nader, he did a good job of um, bringing some issues to the forefront, specifically when it comes to consumer advocacy. I mean, that's his whole thing was consumer advocacy. So we this is supposed to be a country of the marketplace of ideas. So don't like if Howard Schultz does decide to run, I don't. First of all, I don't see him taking that many votes away from the Democratic candidate. I just don't see it. I don't think that he represents where the Democratic Party is going. You know, I mean, I just I can see a Republican. I can see Bill Kristol voting for Howard Schultz. I can see disaffected suburbanites in Trump land voting for Howard Schultz who would never vote for a Democrat anyway. So I don't think that it's true that he will be taking votes away from the Democratic candidate. If anything, he could very well be taking votes away from Donald Trump. So I, I, like, to me, it was when he announced and then everyone freaked out. I was like, don't be so like, I understand there's a lot of trauma with 2016. A lot of people thinking they had it all ready to go. It's in the bag. But don't freak out because he's not going to swing the election for Donald Trump if he does get in. The kind of person, you know, that, it's just more aggravating. The than kind anything. of person that would vote for Howard Schultz is also the same person that would buy like a the Michael Bublé, Josh Groban duet album that's well, at the, the front best. of Starbucks. Yeah, I mean it's the best. There, no, I've never seen anyone buy yeah. those. It's like an anomaly that anyone well, would. It, but now it's Bublé and and in Josh Groban and Josh Groban mm, doing, doing a duet album. Yeah. Huh. Now, is it Perhaps a couple covers of Christmas songs. Oh, my goodness. Now we were talking So that's Christmas. Howard Schultz. That's the equivalent of Howard Schultz as a presidential candidate. Well, now I but, might I mean, vote for him. That sounds he, kind of fun. If he opens his Twitter notifications, that should be enough for him to realize, like, I can't do this. I don't know. Twitter's a, Twitter's a hellscape, I mean, but yeah. He's getting, he's getting more roasted than the coffee that he serves. He's at. getting roasted. That's a hot joke. <laughs> that's a hot joke. We also should talk a little bit about Roger Stone. He got indicted. And uh, let's see. Yeah, let's talk about Stone and then we can go back and uh, well, let's talk. We'll, we'll wrap it up here with Elizabeth Warren. So just lastly, with Elizabeth Warren, she has apologized to the Cherokee Nation for the DNA test. Senior uh, Senator Elizabeth or Senator Elizabeth Warren. She's a Massachusetts Democrat. She apologized. And the this is what Kelly Hayes, a Native American writer. She says, I'm glad to see that Elizabeth Warren has apologized for the whole DNA test debacle. Connecting with members of the Cherokee Nation in this way was always the way forward. Also, I hope that the folks who painted myself and others as fringe outliers for discussing this feel foolish. But of course, there are some people who still aren't uh, aren't happy. Twilla Barnes, a Cherokee genealogist, uh, she's been critical of Miss Warren's claims of her Native American ancestry since it became national news in 2012. She said she needs to go public and say she fully takes responsibility and that the DNA test was ridiculous. There's still something about this. That feels off. So we'll see, you know, if that scandal continues to dog her talking about lying, you know, when it comes to Kirsten Gillibrand or at least Kamala Harris isn't lying. And we're going to play a sound here in a second of her criminal she's justice. Very upfront. But she's very upfront about her uh, lack of criminal justice reform, I guess, or criminal justice reform in a much more conservative sense, uh, more conservative than I believe that we needed. We need to have it in this country. And I really we're going to talk about that in a second. But when it comes to Elizabeth Warren, we'll see how much that dogs her. But again, uh, she's doing a good job. She's out there. She's meeting with the people. And I think she's got 
Uh, really a lot of upside and a lot of good potential. She stays on message very much like Bernie used to be able to do. I don't know if he's ever going to get in or not. And again, who knows what's going to happen with Bernie Sanders? Um, there's there's some stuff sw- swarming around the world. Who knows what's going to happen? But um, so who knows? That, so that's Elizabeth Warren. Let's go on to Kamala Harris really quick, and then we'll talk about Roger Stone, and then we'll talk about nukes, and then we'll talk about Robert Mueller. He made a mistake, which is something that we don't often hear. So that's kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, so Kamala Harris, of course, big rollout. She's, uh, you know, she, she's got the poll numbers are going in the right direction. Still not that, you know, no one is beating Biden still. But of course, if you're Joe Biden, just stay on the sidelines as long as possible, because as soon as you get in, then you start you have a target on your back. So right now he's able to just kind of sit at like, you know, in the uh in the 30s, he's around 35% yeah. of support. And, of course, the Democratic Party is sitting fairly well with 56%. If, if you give people just a blank ballot and they're like, Democrat or Republican, it's 56% uh, Democrat. That's good. But, of mm-hmm. course, again, we have 2016 to remember, and candidates do matter. So Kamala Harris, she is reminding me a lot of Bill Clinton in the early 90s when Bill Clinton ran for office as a Democrat, of course. He ran on a strict, strict criminal justice reform policy. Three strikes and you're out. Mandatory minimums. Uh, This is, of course, the super predator moment. This is, if you go back, and as I've mentioned multiple times, listen to his State of the Union, it reads like, it reads just extremely conservative. Extremely conservative. So Kamala Harris, understanding that this is probably not a bad strategy to have when getting, again, those disaffected Republicans like I just use Bill Crystal as an example, but there's a lot of never Trump Republicans out there mm-hmm. who share her views on criminal justice. It's possible she's able to peel a lot of their support. This is what she had to say when asked about the question of, like, should we build more schools as opposed to more prisons? And this is just a little spiel that she 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 gives when talking about this. And if you get a chance to watch the clip, she's quite animated. Um, but there's something almost. Dick Cheney about the joy uh, in her voice when talking about things that are so, you know, uh, devastating to people. Um, let's, uh, let's play it. We all have these posters in our closet that is attached to a stick that we sometimes will cart out when we're talking about criminal justice policy and we run around with these signs, build more schools, less jails. Build more schools, less jails. And we walk around everywhere, build more schools, we protest, build more schools, less jails. Put money into education, not prisons. There's a fundamental problem with that approach, in my opinion. And it's this. I agree with that conceptually. But you have not addressed the reason I have three padlocks on my front door. So part of the discussion about reform of criminal justice policy has to be an acknowledgment that crime does occur and especially when it is violent crime and serious crime, well, there should be a broad consensus that there should be serious and severe and swift consequence to crime. All right, there it is. So, <laughs> of course, you know, the correlation between uh, schools and prisons, the notion is, uh, is that if you educate people, they have a better chance of uh, getting a job, of finding success, of finding self-worth, finding a mentor, um, perhaps they don't need to break into your home. I understand that crime happens. Of course, we are in one of the lower crime times in the history of the world, yeah. and specifically in, uh, in the history of this country. This, you know, reminds me a little bit of 
H.W., when he was running against Dukakis, Dukakis, Massachusetts dude, governor, much more liberal on crime, of course, the famous Willie Horton ads, all those kinds of things. They painted him weak on crime. So she's going all in with being tough on crime. And again, is that what we need right now is we have the largest prison population in the world, even more than China. And China is horrible, although we don't get all we don't get a lot of information from China. So who knows? They're killing people left and right for being Muslims or Christians or or Jewish. You have to worship the state. China is getting worse, worse and worse every single day. Of course, they're having their new um the the what, what's it called the, the social credit system mm-hmm. they're going to start in 2020 but the question is for the democratic party do you want to be the uh, the party of law and order i politically i, I could see this not hurting her uh, i think it will she, first of all in in all honesty she has a bit of a teflon shield being african-american and a woman mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to allow a lot of white people who don't mind seeing black people or brown people in prison to say well It's okay because I'm not racist or anything because I'm voting for a black woman. It assuages so much guilt, I'm sure. It really does. But like we said before, I mean, it's nice that she's upfront about her policies. It is. Her her campaign slogan might be Kamala Harris, three hots in a cot. Or Kamala Harris, (laughs) Kamala Harris, make America a super jail. It could be, you know, every Walmart, make it a jail. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easier for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Abe Lincoln Stop at a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at tophat.robinhood.com. And of course, you know, in a binary situation, what are the other options? Although Donald Trump with Jared Kushner, they have actually been more progressive on criminal justice reform than a lot of people are talking about because it just goes against uh, wide sweeping media narratives, which are always ridiculous and a little bit, um, they leave a little bit of uh, facts behind. We don't have any policy discussion in this entire country. But anyway, so that is Kamala Harris. That's what she's going to be. Not That is not all that she's going to be doing. Obviously, she's also talking about like single payer and stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see if she's going to be able to, uh, if that's going to be a winning message. It's possible. It really is possible uh, that it works because it worked for the Clintons. And uh, progressive prosecutor, just get ready to hear those two words over and over again. I like I hate it. I really hate it. Progressive prosecutor, because, of course, uh, prosecutors have done some really horrible things in this country. But then also they've they've done some good things, too. But who knows? You know, when it comes to prosecutions, uh, specifically when it comes to like the Me Too movement, for example, as we're seeing now with uh, what's going on with Harvey Weinstein, um, there is that sort of tinge to it as well, where they're sick and tired, specifically with the Me Too movement, 
of having allegations of rape just not be, uh, you know, like not be addressed. Like what happened with Cosby. I think that allegation came out in like 2000. I might be getting this wrong, but it was, I think it was like 2005 or something like that. She she came to the police and they're like, no, it's not. We can't do anything. Right. So from that perspective, I do understand law and order or criminal justice because that is dog shit. If you go and report a violent rape um, and then the law or, or the, the, the backlog, the so-called rape test kit backlog, it's not a backlog. They're just not testing them. Right, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a backlog yeah. if you're working on it, uh, but they're just not. So I get it from that perspective. And I think there, that you could you can swing that as more of a in more of a liberal lens. Uh, but then we really have to look at the just over incarceration of our youth and um, of people in this country. Uh, it really is. You, it, it's just abhorrent. Our criminal justice system is totally broken in a binary election. Do you think the Republican Party uh, without Donald Trump there would do any good, would do any better? Probably not, but who knows? So this just reminds me of uh, this. Just reminds me of Bill Clinton. Yeah. You know, and hell, Bill Clinton won. Howard, maybe this is shaping up to be a ninety-one. If Howard Schultz gets in, we have an incumbent president that's uh, kind of getting as H.W. was uh, Grover Norquist, that wing of the Republican Party turned on him. Trump, a lot of people are turning on him now, as we saw with the funding bill to keep the government open. A couple of. Republicans signed on to a bill that didn't have wall funding. And we'll probably just start to see more and more and more of that. So this might be history repeating. This could be an interesting time to go back and look at what happened in the 91 campaign, 92 campaign. And who knows? There are a lot of liberal voters that like a hall monitor. Like they, they do. They, 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 Absolutely. Love, they love rules. And, yep. you know, rule of law is not like, uh, you know, exclusive from... Uh, and, right wing stuff at all? No, absolutely. No, that's a good point. And uh, and of course, you know, I know when it comes to as we saw in Utah, for example, when they just passed, I think it's zero point five now or point zero five. Yeah, it's definitely point zero five. <laughs> zero point five would be a lot, but zero point five when it comes to uh, drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, these are these are more left leaning people pushing for that kind of stuff. And I mean, I disagree with it, but uh, you know. So, but that is why it's so difficult to get any criminal justice reform because it is politically advantageous uh, to be more hawkish. Because as Donald Trump is doing, as we saw with Kate Steinle when it comes to immigration, they pick out a few stories, and these are real stories. I'm not downgrading that, but they blow them up, they magnify them to be like everything. And of course, Kate Steinle was shot by an uh, illegal immigrant, and it was horrible. And that's devastating. And then they just paint the entire right. It illegal immigrant. Right, doesn't necessarily represent the world or what no, is actually but that's, happening. but that's the way it works. So it's so easy for them to just run an ad like the Willie Horton ad and be like, see, look. this." Yeah. Per- and, of course, and no one can disagree with either the death or the Willie Horton ad. I believe he raped and, and murdered um, two women or something when he got out for the weekend. So uh, no one can deny that. So anyway, we'll see if it works for her. And as I said before, I am optimistic and I think it's fine. I'm I'm not even against having a more conservative criminal justice candidate for the Democratic Party. I want to hear all of the ideas. And again, I do think because because of the way the the way that the uh, the way that the party is looking, who knows how well she does, but I think it's really possible because African-American because she's a female um, coming from California. I think there's going to be some people that will be able to overlook these really uh, hawkish stances, because you can imagine if someone who looked like, uh, you know, if someone who looked like me said that 
I think yes. people would be like, you're a total racist, you know, but of course it is what it is. Um, so anyway, it's so, definitely a more compelling message than Howard Schultz's. Um, let's, you know, well, he unite, doesn't have a message. Unite the country. Let's, what does that mean? Let's share a coffee and, and discuss ideas. Let's let's bring everyone back together. No, Howard Schultz. When he he doesn't even have like he didn't like write anything down. Yeah. I don't understand. He just like was like unite the country. He's like, what does that mean? He's yeah, like, he was just really like freestyle um, platituding. You know. Yes. Like, anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Who knows? Again, relax with all that. Okay, let's just get here briefly to what's gone on with Roger Stone, a man who I kind of know a little bit. Um, he is first of all, I mean, he just dresses from the supervillain cook or like from the from the uh, like the supervillain LL Bean. I don't know where yeah, he gets his clothes. Out of the Adam West Batman series, um, but he has been indicted. So this is the it's a pretty big get, I guess, for the Mueller probe. But once again, we don't have any indictment regarding collusion, uh, and we also have this was kind of a good week in a strange way. Uh, for Donald Trump, because we just found out that the Donald Trump Jr. phone call to some anonymous mm-hmm. person after the after the Trump Russia meeting wasn't Donald Trump, so he tweeted about that immediately. Well, he doesn't have his dad's phone number, so that's that, yeah, that would have been impossible. That's possible. Um, very true, of course. Donald Trump Jr. the uh, the uh, I guess what is it called? The leaf, the fig. <laughs> the, yeah, sure. The fig doesn't fall far <laughs> from the bush. Um, he uh, he just tweeted about S and L. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, he was he was upset with S and L. This looks like one of those sketches on S and L. <laughs> Which is of course week and sa- update. Saturday and live. <laughs> um so Roger Stone, he is the colorful former longtime political advisor to Donald Trump. Of course Donald Trump has said now that he's in trouble that he barely knew him. Uh, which is obviously a lie. A spokesperson for Mueller's office said Stone, 66, was arrested in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where my parents live. Oh, nice. Fort La- beautiful area. On Friday morning, after being indicted, this was last Friday morning, after being indicted by a federal grand jury uh, a day earlier. And if you watch the raid, they were like serious. <laughs> I was like, he does work out. Um, but there were a lot of guns. It looks like, I mean- uh, you know. Roger Stone posts so many shirtless pics of him, like, flexing and talking about, like, getting oh, yeah. ready for a civil war. Like, he posted stuff on his Twitter about, like, training with guns and stuff. I mean, apparently it's not over. It wasn't, like, outrageous well, in the grand scheme. Of, like, I think they're always our police, outrageous. But... Our, our, poli- our authorities are, like, over-militarized. Oh, yeah. But, like... What was what was Stone gonna do? I mean, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I I think that about everything. If you get get a chance to watch, um, there's a great documentary called "Do Not Resist." I highly yeah. recommend it. Um, it just it follows police departments all across the country. And one at one point they're in Wisconsin, and I forget what freaking like Barron, Wisconsin, or something like that. Maybe Sheboygan. <laughs> they bought a tank, and I'm like, why do you need a tank? The sheriff is driving around the streets in a freaking tank like it's the Red Dawn. It's ridiculous. So. Um, it's always amazing to go to like a small town. This happened a lot when I was living in Georgia. I'd go, I'd drive through a small town that had nothing, oh, and yeah. then you would see the police officer driving a, um, like a, a Dodge Charger. It was all souped that, up, a souped yeah. up car. It was like amazing. So they busted into Stone's house. Uh, he was only able to get his little crocodile shirt. Remember, what's yeah. that little crocodile? Um, Lacoste. Yeah, Lacoste. Yeah. He got his little Lacoste shirt on. Um, this is what Sarah Sanders had to say about this. I can't even. Sarah Sanders, by the way. If you get a chance, go out there and listen to her. She's talking on some Christian program, 
and she's talking about how God sent us Donald Trump. So if you were if you were a big believer before, maybe God, not anymore. God sent us the plague. He sent <laughs> you know, us whatever. Also, if, on a quick side note, watch the documentary from two thousand. I think it's called "The Eyes of Tammy Faye" or "Through the Eyes of Tammy Faye." Right. All about Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah. Jerry Falwell screwed over the Baker family, and the whole religious right is so corrupt and so disgusting. But it's it's narrated by RuPaul, and it's it's great. So that's from two thousand. The Eyes of Tammy oh, that Baker. that sounds awesome. Oh, it's, it's, it's narrated it's, by RuPaul. It's really good, yeah, because Tammy <laughs> Faye was big in the drag community um, because she honestly dr- dressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, lot, a lot like that. So uh, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders told reporters on Friday, this has, doesn't have anything to do with the president. It doesn't have anything to do with the White House, which is, of course, a lie. And Trump lawyer Jay Sukalow said the Russian indictment today is, does not allege Russian collusion by Roger Stone or anyone else. Rather, the indictment focuses on alleged false statements Mr. Stone made to Congress. These false statements, and we're talking about emails that he said he never sent, uh, correspondences that he said he never had, and, of course, lying to Congress. Um, so it's it's similar to what we saw with Papadopoulos and uh, a lot of the other indictments that are coming down. Still, Paul Manafort, I would say, were the most serious ones. Um, we'll see. He's, he said he's going to say... He's going to plead not guilty. The indictment says Stone spoke to Trump campaign officials during the summer of 2016 about WikiLeaks and information the organization had that might be damaging to the Clinton campaign. It also says Stone was contacted, quote, by senior Trump campaign officials to inquire about future WikiLeaks releases of hacked Democratic emails during an appearance on Wednesday evening on Tucker Carlson show. Woo! Woo! Tucker. You know, I know him. Um, I don't know what's going on. In the, the Donald Trump has warped the minds of many people. That's all I'm going to say about that. Get tucked. Ugh, get tucked. <laughs> get tuckered. Stone insisted he would not turn on the president and cooperate with prosecutors like former lawyer did Michael Cohen. This is according to Stone. He says, no matter how much pressure they put on me, no matter what they say, I will not bear false witness against Donald Trump, he continued to say, I will not do what Michael Cohen has done and make up lies to ease pressure on myself. Of course, really angling hard for a pardon. And it's extremely possible that Donald Trump will uh, will abide oblige. and oblige yeah. and, uh, and give him one. So former uh, Hillary Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta on Twitter, he wrote this. He says, Roger's time in the barrel. That was a play on Stone's own words. Stone had tweeted cryptically before Podesta emails were disclosed that it would soon be Podesta's time in the barrel. He goes on to say, and it's headed over uh, Niagara Falls. So this is John Podesta being funny. (laughs) Roger's time in the barrel and it's headed over Niagara Falls. Roger Stone, advisor to Trump, is indicted in Mueller investigation. So this is a big uh, it's a big deal, of course, as all of it is. Uh, Other convictions include former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Former campaign advisor George Papadopoulos, former campaign advisor Rick Gates, and of course, Paul Manafort. Former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to making false statements in a case uh, in November. Of course, that case was brought by Mueller. So that's the most recent uh, chip to fall uh, in the Mueller Russia investigation. And again, and now, you know, it, it, I, I just get so like I'm almost sick of talk because if you watch like CNN, it's all and it's just like yeah. circling and so we'll just, 
I just want to wait until the papers are out. And also, yeah. as I've always said, Robert Mueller is still just a German inquisitor. He's not like a god. Like I saw another person wearing a T-shirt with him on it, and I almost gagged. I'm like, dude, dude, like he is. If you go back and listen to his speeches, he hasn't changed. He's the same. Just because you don't like Trump, Robert Mueller. Who knows? There, like there, he, I, like I don't want to hang out with the guy. That's all I'm saying. There is a lot of like fanfic, erotic, uh, Chuck Tingle oh, style stuff going on. Like indicted in my own ass by my own indictment. <laughs> <laughs> now I do want to point out uh, on Roger Stone's website, uh, on Friday when he did get indicted, everything on his merch page uh, went on sale. Really? So you can buy your own Roger Stone. It is a pebble with his autograph on it. Get out of it here. It was originally $12. <laughs> Folks, it's $10 now. Really? Yes. And you could also buy the Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong t-shirt. Oh, or wow. Or a poster for a room that uh, lays out all of Stone's rules, some of which include attack, attack, attack. <laughs> <laughs> business oh. is business. Hate is a stronger motivator than love. Oh, my God. And uh, think big, be big. He is a he's like a Big Johnson shirt who, <laughs> yes, who really human, loves fascism. He's a human Big Johnson shirt. Wow! Attack! 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 Okay. Be a big dog. Be a big dog, man. Be the big dog on the yard. You know, <laughs> take the biggest piss. You got the biggest dumps. You're the biggest dog. Of course you do. Ridiculous. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I do believe that Stone will stick to his guns and um, and not not cooperate. Yeah, I don't think that no, he, will. I, he is a different kind of beast. He's in it for the long haul, of course. If you go out there and watch his little documentary, I mean, it makes him look... I don't know if it makes him look good. It it, it, make, it represents him. I mean, it definitely reveals a lot about him. He's happy about it. That's uh, all you need to know. All of his, like, weird deviant backpage sex, you know, shit. He, th- it, that was the best it, thing about him. No, yeah. It's like, he, he is oh. actually that strange. That's another thing when it comes to Kamala Harris. Thank you for reminding me. Kamala Harris and Kirsten Gillibrand, both huge proponents of SESTA-FOSTA. The back page. Uh, the back page yeah. ban, which really just pushed the industry further underground. Of course, the sex industry. I'm against that. Yeah. Because uh, you, we know a lot of sex workers here just with our shows and our, some of our fan base are sex workers. And um, they they would use those to communicate and be like, yo, don't hang out with X, Y, Z. This dude is no good. And now and they now don't have that anymore. It's more so, dangerous. It's more Wild West. And-, and that's the irony of all of that so-called, you know, legislation. That's the, the road to hell. You know, it's always paved with good intentions. And uh, that was a horrible piece of legislation. And if you voted against it, then they would say you're for human sex trafficking. And it's like, no, no, I'm not. You morons. I'm actually for keeping the more we know, the yeah. more that's in light the safer it will be. That is why we have streetlights and cameras everywhere. Uh, the same rule should apply for the internet. Um, so that's another area where I, I disagree with Kamala Harris, although I'm sure most of the candidates would be, uh, I, I I don't know any of them that, uh, right, that opposed who would, it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Who would I'm be like, sure. oh no, I'm totally pro all this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's just because you have to explain why. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it's an easy soundbite to say that they're for sex trafficking that, and then you'll be like, yeah, what? You, you can't no. can't be like a middle-aged person watching Jeopardy, and then the politician comes on and is like, I'm pro-sex worker. Like, right. it's just not something that is going to resonate with some of these people. And it's always about getting, not the Jeopardy crowd anymore. we got to get the Wheel of Fortune <laughs> yeah, crowd. Yeah, d- I'm sorry. Yeah, Definitely yeah. the Wheel of Fortune crowd. The Maybe. Pat Sa- yeah, the Pat Sajak yeah. folks. Maybe get a little bit of that... Uh, Maybe a, what was that uh, that fun show with Bob Barker? Uh, Price is Right. Price is Right. Maybe a little Price is Right crowd in there also. Um, okay, so that's what's going on with Roger Stone. We'll wait to see what happens with that. Now, this is kind of an interesting misstep for uh, for Robert Mueller. In eight ta- an 18-page court filing, 
Um, basically, what happened was there's in in the you know all those Russians that were um, uh, that were charged, but naturally they're not going to be coming over. They all, they also charged this company Concord Management and Consulting. So Concord Management, they showed up to court. Basically, their lawyer showed up, and uh, when when they show up. Uh, the prosecution has to kind of tell them what the hell they have. And this mm-hmm. is called discovery. I'm sure you all know this. So basically, it's just the, or sometimes they don't do it, though. That's for sure. But so basically, discovery is, is just so that they're working on the same playing field. They know what information they have. They know how to defend their clients. So because they did this, it was an 18-page uh, court filing. All that information magically leaked on Twitter with a Twitter account called at Hacking Redstone. It posted a message in late October 2018 claiming access to the special counsel's investigations database, saying, quote, as we hacked Russian servers with info from the Russian troll case Concord LLC versus Mueller, you can view all the files Mueller had about the IRA. That's the Internet Research Agency and Russian collusion. Enjoy the reading. So because... They followed the rule of law. Um, The Russians are really good at using our own laws against us. Because they did that, they gave a lot of evidence and a lot of, um, you know, top secret information to the Russian oligarchs, to to Putin. You know, I understand they have to do it. But now Mueller lodged lodged a uh, complaint in an 18 page court filing that objects to a discovery request from the Russian company Concord Management and Consulting, which has been charged with helping orchestrate the massive online campaign. Uh, The same day as the tweet, Mueller's office said in an unidentified report. Uh, An unidentified reporter contacted the special counsel and explained the receipt of a direct message via Twitter from an individual who, quote, who stated that they had received a discovery material by hacking into a Russian legal company that had obtained discovery material from Reed Smith, the U.S.-based law firm representing Concord. Mueller's office said that with the help of the FBI, it determined more than 1,000 of the 300,000 files on the website linked from hacking Redstone tweet, including markings unique to materials that it had shared with Concord during earlier rounds of discovery. The FBI also determined that the website was registered about a week before uh, the at issue tweet with an IP address in Russia. Hmm. So the Russians, uh, you know, were able to come uh, come out with some good information. On what's going on in the mind of uh, of Mueller and uh, and uh, what's going to be happening there with the Mueller uh, investigation. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> All right, so there it is. That's the that's the most up to date information on the Russia investigation, and I just say get it done, get it done. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know how CNN uh, spends twenty four hours a day talking about it. I mean, I watch it. There's a lot. Of, it's a lot of drivel, is what I say. Um, but who knows? All right, let's move on. Just lastly, the Trump administration said on Friday it was suspending one of the last major nuclear arms control treaties with Russia following five years of heated conversations between the two powers that failed to resolve a long-running American accusation that Moscow was violating violating the Reagan-era agreement. This is according to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who may be running for Senate, by the way, announced the decision declaring that, quote, countries must be held accountable when they break the rules. He said the United States would terminate the 1987 Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty in six months unless Russia destroyed its growing arsenal of intermediate range missiles and launchers. He goes on to say, we can no longer be restricted by the treaty while Russia shamelessly violates it. So far, the Russian government has been unwilling to admit that a missile it has deployed near European borders violates the treaty's terms. Also, 
uh, we have to keep in mind when it comes to what's going on in China. They're continuing to um, ramp up their missiles. Right now, it's said that Beijing's growing nuclear arsenal currently consists of missiles that fall into the ranges, land-based missiles able to fly 300 to 3,400 miles that are prohibited by the treaty, which applies only to Russia and the United States. So, you know, we'll see again. Basically, so you understand, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, the U.S. and and Russia are playing by two different sets of rules, and the Chinese are just like, screw it, we're not in this treaty. So who knows, does this lead to another nuclear arms race? Who knows? Let's go back to the good old days of the Cold War era. All I know is you can't hug your children with nuclear arms. You can't. You can't do it. Has anyone told Russia that? No, they haven't. They have not. The Russian government accused the Trump administration of looking for any excuse to get out of the treaty. Um, uh, so this is according to uh, Dmitry S. Peskov, a spokesperson for uh, President Vladimir Putin. He says, on the whole, the reluctance of Americans to listen to reason and to hold any kind of substantive talk with us shows that the Was- that Washington decided to crush the treaty a long time ago. So there we go. Nuclear strategy. But a nuclear strategy published by the Pentagon last year makes clear that preparations are being made to counter Beijing's deployments. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a.k.a. NATO, the military alliance that was created to counter the Soviet threat 70 years ago, endorsed the announcement uh, that was made by Pompeo. So it looks like we're getting some international support over this. Again, what does it mean? Who knows? Is there another arms race? looming in the background it's possible i suppose um but you know I, that's just the way this stuff kind of works right um so all right so there it is i guess that's basically the news and now we have an interview is that the news that's the news that's the news for this past and week that's the news and that's the news as as i see it <laughs> have you ever seen the newsroom uh the, the dude who shoots himself in the head no no the jeff daniels uh, aaron sorkin show. i did watch that a little bit yeah, yeah. it was too pretentious for me because <laughs> he was like a keith oberman type and i was like you're just an insufferable just do the news just do the news yeah i like what's the one that i'm thinking of where he shoots himself at the end he uh, says I, are you you're thinking of uh it's great network network yes. network <laughs> network is I, i'm more of a network guy than a uh than whatever the hell that was. I, Aaron Sorkin doesn't write like a human being. No. No humans talk like no, that. No, he writes like a pill addict. Right. And then it's like, and not everyone, if everyone was so like whimsical and witty all the time, yeah, the I'd world, end like the dude in the network. Yeah, I would be, shoot myself in the head. Like I, I just like, whatever happened to just a good, boring person? <laughs> I love a good, boring person. Yeah, that's most of the country. That's what, I mean, it's great. that's what's so great about this country is everyone is actually very boring. Yeah, it's perfect. It, that's, that's how it should be. That's why this is the best country on earth. Boring. Please do not be sardonic with me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Um, all right. Well, now let's do this interview. Uh, this is with Mohanad El-Sheiki. And again, I, I just think it's interesting. We should hear what happens. It's just an interesting slice of life, and it's a situation that I will not find myself in. I don't think Travis will find himself in. Henry and Marcus and many of you won't find yourself in his situation. And I think it's just a good perspective, and it's uh, it's important uh, to understand what this stuff looks like in real life, specifically when it comes to immigration. And we're doing our three-parter on Mangala and just the idea of government officials asking for papers. It's just appalling. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a little scary. So anyway, enjoy the interview. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ben Kissel. Um, all right. So we have a cool interview coming up. It's interesting. Uh, it's with this dude. Now, he is a Team Coco. That's Conan O'Brien. He's a comic to watch. And I saw him on Twitter. 
Uh, and he had a fascinating Twitter story, but it's a real life story. His name is Mohanad El Sheiki. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story uh, regarding your interaction with ICE. Yeah, thank you, man. So can we just go back? So what the heck happened here? Because I, I, I don't want to just read your uh, your tweet story. People can follow you on Twitter, and I'll give them, you know, yeah. you know I'll, I'll, I'll spell it out for them so they can find you. Um, so what happened? Uh, I was in uh, I was in Washington, uh, specifically in the uh, city of Pullman. Uh, I was doing a show there on uh, on Saturday night at Washington State University, and then the next day uh, I was uh, going back to Portland, where I live. Okay, love Portland. Yeah, I do. I do live in Portland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I took the bus from uh, from Pullman uh, to uh, Spokane uh, because I had to do a bus transfer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I stayed at the station for like maybe three hours, just waiting for the next bus. The bus came around uh, 11.15, and we started boarding. Uh, I got into the bus, I showed the bus driver my ticket, he scanned it and everything, and everything was fine. Uh, checked in my luggage, and then uh, I went to the back of the bus and just sat there, was just like looking at my phone, just like texting and stuff. Right. Uh, until two people in, uh, in a green uniform came in uh, to the bus. And they started randomly like asking like people for IDs and stuff. Hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, there must be people who work for the bus station. They're trying to match my uh, name or my ID to the ticket. I have had I, I've had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like not worried about it. Right. Yeah. So they approached me and then they were like, do you have uh, like to get your ID or like identification and stuff? So I gave them my Oregon driver's license. Uh, and then they asked me like they were like, are you a citizen? And I was like, uh, okay, that's a, that's a weird thing to ask. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I'm not a citizen. And they're like, oh, do you have a passport? And I was like, no, why would I carry a passport on a bus? Right, exactly, on a Greyhound bus. So, you know, it's it's just um, it's chilling, right? When we have these situations of papers, please show me your papers, please. Um, when you were at the Absolutely, bus station, yeah. was there anything? I mean. Uh, anything out of the ordinary when you're sitting on this bus? I mean, I've been on many Greyhound buses. I'm assuming yeah. this was Greyhound. Maybe Peter Pan, if you're really fancy. I don't know. But was there anything out of the ordinary when you were at the bus station or sitting on the bus? Or did this just feel totally random? No, it, it looked absolutely normal. Like, there was, like, nothing happening there. Uh yeah, and then like once they once they got my uh, once they once I told them uh, like I was in a citizen and I was like oh I'm a and they were like what country are you a citizen of and mm-hmm. I was like uh, I'm a citizen of Libya uh, and then they were like okay uh, can you come can you come with us outside and I was like okay uh, so and I and I walked with them outside uh, they asked me if I had uh, my identification on me. And I said, yeah, I do, I do, I, I, I have a work permit. Uh, and that work permit is, uh, is, has been given to me by U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Okay. Yeah, so it's basically like through them. And how long is your work permit good for? So, uh, so here's the thing. The work permit is valid until uh, the end, like the uh, July of 2019. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I was carrying the work permit even though I don't need it anymore, given the fact that I was granted asylum in, mm. in last October. Okay. So that work permit, even though it was valid, even though I had it, 
I didn't have it. I didn't need it anymore for work uh, because I was granted asylum. I right. had it on me anyway. Yeah. Okay. So and and now how were you were how were you able to be granted asylum because I know that process is just so completely difficult and it's getting more difficult every day it seems. Yeah. How long did that process take? Uh for me it took exactly 4 years. Okay. Uh 4 years were like I had to do a lot of like uh like paperwork and like uh prove my case and everything. I did an interview with immigration that lasted like 4 hours and uh, they asked me like about like every detail of my life and dates and pictures and like they did like an in, like just like a, a background check on me that like lasted for years and right. I mean it's a, a very long long process. So you are it it is safe to say you are a fully vetted uh, resident of America. You are fully they, they've gotten all the information they could ever need, uh, but nonetheless we're we're in this situation. Greyhound bus walking out with these two folks. <laughs> they know more about me than anyone else. Okay, well that is that's horrifying, but interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and then I, when I gave them my I gave them my IDs, and then uh, they looked through them, and then they were like, uh, "Do you have your asylum approval on you?" Obviously, before they asked me if I had my asylum approval on, me, and I told them when I applied for asylum, when it was granted, gave them all the details. And then they were like, do you have the asylum approval on you? And I was like, no, I don't carry that with me. Uh, and I said, and I said the reason I don't carry it with me because I, I was, I was advised not to carry it with me because this is like a very important document that right. if I don't need it, it's, if it gets, if it gets lost or anything, then I'm like jeopardizing my state in this country as well. Right. Like, no, I have faith in my home because I like, I only need it when I need to like apply for a job or like get a, get a, like a job or something like that. I don't like want to be carrying it around in my backpack everywhere. Right, right. And then I was like, uh, also like I was told like, all they need is your identification and they like, they can like check online or like they call immigration and like once they verify you because I'm in the system. That's right. it. Like I don't need to. Uh, everything is electronic now. Yeah, absolutely. You would think this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then like, oh no, the paper you gave us illegals have them all the time, and I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean illegal? Like the word illegals multiple times, uh, and I was like, this war permit is fraud proof. Okay, so so you're talking with these two ICE agents outside of the Greyhound bus. They continually yeah. call you, they say illegals have uh, documentation, yeah. um, they have their, they have all of their paperwork regarding asylum, and they continually say yeah. the word illegals, which I find, I, I want to yeah. hear your emotional thoughts on that. Personally, it just seems yeah. dehumanizing and a way to treat oh, someone as an yeah. other. But what what did you think when they were calling you an illegal or uh, referencing people as illegals in general? Yeah, well, people pointed out to me that uh, the people that uh, stopped me were uh, CBB, uh, the uh, patrol agents or something, and they okay. weren't ICE. So I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Uh, but obviously, they work for the like homeland, both of them. But anyway, so so yeah, they asked me. Uh, when when they were like calling me illegal and stuff, I was like honestly getting, I was getting really upset. I was like getting like really furious because it was very frustrating because like I've spent thousands of dollars, I've done everything by the book, I have followed the laws and the process, 
and then I got my my papers, carried them with me, and then to be called illegal, it felt like very dehumanizing. It felt like I was like a second class uh, per, like human being. Like it, it just like felt like what was the even the point of like having to, right. having to retell my story and like uh, having to be questioned over and over and over again by immigration officers. At the time, I was very happy. I was like, oh no, I'm like untouchable now. Uh, and then right. the minute I use a bus to for for a job right i get stopped and i get like searched and i get questions and i it was just like oh man how far do i have to go right uh, for them to treat me as a person you know absolutely and was anyone else taken off of this bus and detained and asked for their papers or was it were they specifically there um for you no yes uh, they've so when they came on the bus they've asked they did they claim they asked everyone on the bus. Obviously, they did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, the proof of citizenship they were asking for was a U.S. passport. Now, it would be ridiculous to say that they've asked 20 people on the bus and every one of those people carried a U.S. passport. <laughs> impossible. Yeah. On a Greyhound bus? Yeah. I'm going to say that's exactly. impossible. <laughs> yeah. And then they've asked four people, top. And those four people... I looked through all of these people. They all looked like they might be like Hispanic, like kind of okay. like vaguely ethnic brown stuff, something like that. So they were like just like pointing at people, like asking them like about like their citizenship and stuff. Right. Uh, they, they weren't going around like asking like white Americans about like their papers because they were like, ah, right. you can go. Yeah. I went back on the bus. Uh, I believe that like one person also like came back on the bus. They took one person. That's what I saw. Okay. They detained one person and they took that person with them. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, what did you uh, have a chance to hear the interaction with the individual that they did end up taking, detaining, and and God knows what that life is like. I did not. After they accused me of like accused my papers of being right. fake and everything, an officer like. Uh, was calling someone on the phone and I assume it was like someone who worked with them who was supposed to kind of like uh, verify my status. Right. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they were calling and uh, he was reading uh, like numbers off of my uh, work permit. Uh, and like gave them my name, my date of birth, everything. Right. And then, uh, and then, yeah, that went for like a few minutes and then the call ended. Uh, and then, I, like, until that point, I was like, okay, you know what? They're going to call, they're going to verify me, and they're going to let me go. Right. It's, it's as easy as that. Uh, then I was, to my surprise, he was like, yeah, we have no records of your asylum. Oh, my God. And I was like, what do you mean no records of my asylum? I was like, this is, ah, I was like, this is impossible. Like, what's happening? Uh, right. And I was like, I've, I have asylum. I have it approved. I have all the papers. Uh, and they were like, nope, no record. Oh, my God. Is it valid or not? Like, did you ask him about the work permit? He wouldn't answer that question. He was like, no. Yeah, and every word I said, every, like, defense I made, every statement I made, they would say, oh, we've heard that so many times from illegals. Illegals say that all the time. So yeah. it was like, so it doesn't matter what I say. Like, anything I say, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we've heard that a million times. Right. Trash, no. And I was like, and then... And then I got frustrated, and I was like, hey, I was like, this is, you know what, this is what you're doing now, is illegal. Like, I was like, I need my papers back right now, Right. I'm going to call my lawyer, and I'm going to, like, uh, pursue legal action. This is not okay. Right. And then, 
And then immigration officer suddenly like just it was mostly quiet the whole time and uh, the other uh, the other immigration officer started yelling at me to take my uh, to take my hands out of my pockets which yeah. is which was weird because I had them in my pockets throughout the whole interaction okay and they did not say a single word and obviously I, I didn't wasn't doing that out of disrespect it was just freezing cold outside yeah, it's the winter yeah exactly so I was like so I was like okay I'll take I'll take my hands out I took them out uh because at that point, it, it it seemed to me that they were only trying to get a reaction out of me. Right. Uh, they wanted me like to lose it or to like say something so they can detain me for a different reason. So like, right. I'm, I'm just gonna keep it cool. It doesn't matter because I've I've watched so many documentaries. So I just yeah. So I just uh, put my hands out and everything. And then eventually they were like, hey man, carry your legal papers on you. Can't like have your papers on you. And I didn't say anything back to them. Okay. I just went on the bus. Yeah. And all I, all I was thinking about that time was like, did it even matter? Like, even if I had my asylum approval on you, you would probably be like, yep, the illegals have that all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just seems absolutely demoralizing after four years of asylum. And how were you able to um, get asylum? Because I know that's a really difficult process. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, Libya is uh, in the midst of a violent situation right now, post Gaddafi era. That is very true, yeah. Uh, I mean, the reason I applied for political asylum at the time, uh, it was due to many reasons. I was I was personally active back home. Uh, I used to host my own radio show that a lot of people deemed to be very liberal and very uh, Western, yeah. uh, the ideas that we talked about and stuff. But also, it's I, and I wrote a post about it today, but... I worked with so many like uh, people like, who were like U.S. citizens who you were in Libya covering the war at the time. Right. And also, I worked for uh, for programs and stuff that were sponsored by the uh, U.S. Embassy in Benghazi at the time. Okay. Uh, with the ambassador before Chris Stevens, uh, and like so, it was just like it was just like all of these reasons, and then me coming to the U.S. on an exchange program sponsored by the Department of State that made people like back home and stuff like that they were very sure that I was recruited by the US government mm. to spy on Libya right interesting yeah uh, so it, it got to the point where like I was getting calls from my family and stuff who got their house broken into twice because they were trying to find stuff on me and uh, uh, my even my dad was like uh, questions and put in jail like for like two or three days uh, just like being asked about me and be, me being involved with the U.S. government and all of that. Uh, so it got to the point where, like, my if I it wasn't because just of the war, it was like me personally. Like if I went back home, uh, I would be immediately like either like kidnapped, killed, or something. So right. I, I I had to apply for asylum. And obviously, like all of these claims, I had proofs of them. Like I had like. Uh, like copies of like the death threats I got. Right. Uh, so my case was very strong, and it was like it was like easily like proved. But yeah, that was the main reason. Interesting. I mean, obviously, right now, and thank you so much for just sharing that that uh, that story. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just extremely frustrating after going through all of that. It is. And then having uh, you know just I don't know just being treated with that kind of disrespect is it's. Uh, it's just, it seems like the culture that we're in right now, it's totally normalized and uh, something has to change with that. But going back, uh, just, just really quick here with Libya, and I would love to have you back on the show. 
um, when we have a little bit more time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is what's Libya like now? It's out of the news, and can you compare it a little bit? I know this is a big question, but pre-Gaddafi, post-Gaddafi, what's the different realities right now in Libya? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Everyone, I would say, is very confused about what their role is. Because mm. uh, there is like at least two governments, one in the east, one in the west, and each government of power, and there's like so many militias and so many, uh, and each like and each like uh, group is like equally strong, and every group wants to spread spread this ideology. Right. Uh, right. You have a lot of a lot of like Islamic groups and has an ideology, and then you have the military, and then you have like the Muslim Brotherhood, and you have all of that. Right now, pre Gaddafi, pre Gaddafi, it was like it was oppressive in a different way. So, like I would say, pre and post, it was very oppressive. It was just like a different kind of of oppression. At least with like Gaddafi, like we, it was like a person who we hated. Right. Uh, post Gaddafi, it was just like so many people who were just like ah. Right. Yeah. So you had one one focus of rage, one one uh, main uh, culprit for your problems when Gaddafi is in charge, and now it's uh it it is much more um sporadic and you don't know who to trust and who not to trust huh exactly interesting well thank you so much so you got back on the bus and everything was you got to your destination and you're safe got back on the bus and just uh just went back home and yes yeah, then my spent my bus ride just like reading about my rights and stuff because i was worried <sighs> that we get stopped again on the way back oh my god you know man yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That does complete. You didn't do anything wrong. You're taking a freaking Greyhound bus. That's punishment enough. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Um, well, thank you so much. And you got to come back on the show. I would love to speak with you further um, about you know just Libya and in general and stuff like that. So I would love to have you back on. Absolutely. Mo- Absolutely. Mohana Um Thank you, my man. I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you liked the interview. He's a great guy. We're going to have him back on, too, to talk more about just his experience growing up in Libya, pre-Qaddafi, post-Qaddafi. A lot has changed over there. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can email the last podcast network at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll do an episode where I read emails. That would be kind of fun. BenK721 at gmail.com as well. If you want to email me some personal stories, I used to do the dumpster fire chats uh, where I always enjoyed reading emails. And so maybe I'll do that again. Um, Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. And we'll see you at the Bell House in March. And remember, attack, attack, attack. Attack, attack, attack. And business is business. Business is business. It's half off all of Roger Stone's goods. If you go to rogerstone.com. Is it rogerstone.com? It is the (laughs) stonecoldtruth.com. Of course it is. You can also get your Clinton rape shirt, which is a picture of Bill Clinton with the word rape on it. Uh, There (laughs) it is. That's that's one of his best-selling items. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.